Blog Talk Radio. Welcome aboard, my minions. My name's Tom Marquisel, Presidente. 917-889-8516 is our digits, and we continue to move on toward our open update, if you will, uh, our comeback date, uh, where we could get into our two hours today. We're we're still at 90 minutes, but hey, we're we're slowly entering our way back to the normal two-hour slots. Joining us also today will be Mo from the BS Sports Show. We're going to be talking about what's going on around the sports world and how they are coming about bringing things together. And um, and then uh, Matt Matthew Embry, WSVT up in South Bend, joins us. We're talking about the return of NASCAR to Darlington. That's right. There's a lot of th- there is a lot of restrictions that are available. There's no uh, that are in place. There's no qualifications. Green flag and go go go. Uh, so a lot of little bit of differences. But the good thing about it is it's back, and all eyes will be on NASCAR to see how they handle this return. Because up next is MLB, and, and hopefully we won't even see a scratch in the NFL. And speaking of the NFL, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, will join us to close out the show to talk about what's going on in the NFL and getting things ready to come back and get ready uh, for the um, for the 2020 season. So we are we are still in it. We are still uh, cranking along, and so hopefully we can get everything going in full cylinders uh, uh, coming up. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. 
the Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I've been playing four on four with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more unbelievable Geico videos, give subscribe a click. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're it's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Welcome back to the Ballast 917-889-8516 is our digits. Joining us now is Mo from the BS Sports Show. Mo, how is you, sir? Uh, still alive. Still alive. Well, that's good. Hey, man, we are we're coming to the other other end of this. So we got uh, sports are slowly uh, coming coming back uh, as we look at uh, NASCAR coming back. You know, uh, being a NASCAR fan or not being a NASCAR fan, I, obviously I follow a lot of racing. Uh, but how important is it for NASCAR to get this right? Uh, I think 100% important. All eyes are on them right now in the sports world. Uh, you know, they're going to have a chance to maybe capture back some of those casual fans or fans that haven't ever checked in. Uh, so for them, it, it, it's very important. You know, they're one of the sports that's lost a lot of fans over the last 10 years. So uh, I, I think it, it's, you know, very important for them to get a hundred percent. Right. Well, yeah, absolutely. And, and you're right. All eyes are going to be on Darlington uh, this week. And we're going to get into it more in our next segment with Matthew Embry. Uh, but certainly some of the, the, the things that are in place, uh, there'll be no qualifications uh, for NASCAR. Uh, there'll be no fans. There'll be limited me- media. Team members are limited to like six uh, team members. Uh, the uh, the drivers and team members are, are really to be away from each other. The only time that anybody will come in direct contact with the driver is the uh, guy who puts the window screen up or uh, gives him hydration. Uh, and of course, they're wearing helmets with and uh, so the the distance will will be there. They're to. Uh, they're all issued uh, private carts or uh, private vehicles to drive from their motorhome to the track 
to the race car. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of different things that we'll see, but I think that it's 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 going to be uh, good to, to see everything come back. And of course, what we're coming up now is MLB, and we know MLB's in discussions about possibly an 80 game uh, season. What are your thoughts on the return of the MLB? And then we look at the return of the NBA. But it looks like the the, the one uh, sports organization that that wasn't affected by this too awfully much in, in the broad scheme. Yes, we understand they were kind of in the preseason and with the draft, but how it looks like it's going to affect their season is the, as the NFL. So as sports as a whole, as we begin to, to come out of all of this, um, where's, where's, you don't want to go, uh, you don't want to go too far too fast, uh, but you also want to make sure that you're you're uh, able to to come back. So, what do you think the process should be with these different organizations as they begin to uh, uh, bring out their their bring back plans, if you will? Well, it, it seems like baseball at this point has had the hardest time um, between the owners and the and the, uh, the union. They can't agree on. Uh, you know, what rate of salary they'll be paid for the season. They can't agree on uh, there's been talk of a DH in the NL for this season uh, just to keep things more equal. There's, you know, been all kinds of different talks. And it seems like they, originally baseball owners and their their union and their players are the farthest apart of any, any major sports league looking to get back out there uh, exactly how long the season will be. Uh, how games will be played, where they'll be played. Um, so it, it looks like baseball, again, just like, you know, when they stepped on their Johnson during the uh, the strike year, it mm-hmm. looks like they're close to, to, you know, having issues again. So Major League Baseball just can't get out of its own way. This is their chance to really come back with a bang and try to, you know, again, another another sport that's lost tons of fans uh, over the past 15 to 20 years, here's their chance to try to gain some back because they'll be one of the few uh, sports actually in play and they can't get out of their own way. Yeah, you know, you bring up a valid point uh, back in the strike when that happened. So many fans decided, okay, I'm done. And to this day, I, 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 I talk to people a lot to this day that say, the reason I don't like baseball is because of the strike. I'm like, do you realize how many years ago that was? So they 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 need to walk this fine line of of hey, let's let's uh, let's bring things back, and uh, so hopefully they can they can get this together. And and uh, I mean, you know, millionaires and billionaires squabbling over how many more millions of dollars they're going to make. Maybe for the fans' sake and for the aspects of of just uh, the good of the game and the good of the sport. Uh, we can just be satisfied with what little bit of millions of dollars we're going to make this year and move on and, and knowing that if we do it right, uh, we'll, we'll make all that money back up in a, in a, in a, in a, uh, in a couple of years. So NFL came up with an interesting idea. And if this, if this is a good idea, I think that it should be followed, especially maybe with NASCAR and other uh, groups that are going to be coming out without fans and they're going to be, doing a digital fan base uh, with uh, digital recordings and digital uh, fan noise that they've recorded over the years at different games. I think that's a neat idea. Hopefully they could get that implemented. I think that will add a lot. It's certainly not going to take the place of actual fans being there, but hopefully with the NFL, when we get to the NFL, hopefully 
we're not to the point where we're going to be playing without fans, but it is certainly a, a good idea that Fox and the NFL have been discussing. Well, for, you know, a few teams, uh, piping in the crowd noise isn't a new thing to them. There are there been many teams <laughs> over the past few years that have been accused of that already. Uh, you know, NFL teams are going to be allowed to open their facilities starting Tuesday, so the NFL look like, looks like they're trying to, to get on track to uh, to have their season and all their activities on time. So NFL teams are opening their facilities starting Tuesday. Well, I think we we're all in the boat where we say, hey, it can't come it can't come soon enough. And uh, obviously, in the month of May here in Indianapolis, in the real world, in the normal world, we'd be really geared up and ready to go for the Indianapolis 500. I'd be have already would have been spending time down at the track and getting geared up for that because that's uh, just what a week and a half away, two weeks away, Memorial Day weekend. Uh, so. Uh, it's it's kind of kind of weird to have a a uh, the month of May without IndyCar, but IndyCar is scheduled to come back in June, um, and so and I believe that's out in Texas that they're that, that they're planning that. We'll be talking more with that with uh, uh, Matthew Embry in in, in WS, uh, from WSBT, our, our IndyCar contributor, uh, and certainly going to be talking about a lot of things. But the the Indianapolis 500 is scheduled to go on with fans. Uh, in in August, so hopefully that that can come together. Hey, uh, did you hear this? Uh, you probably did hear this this b- bizarre story of the of the two cornerbacks from uh, uh, Seattle and New York Giants that are wanted for armed robbery. Um, um, they're they're wanted they're wanted for robbing thousands of dollars for uh, DeAndre ba- Baker, quarterback for the New York Giants, and Quinton Dubar Dunbar a cornerback for the Seattle Seahawks are both wanted uh, for their roles in alleged armed robbery during a house party on Wednesday night. Uh, Baker is wanted for four counts of, of armed robbery with a firearm and four counts of aggravated assault with a firearm. Dubar is wanted with four counts of robbery with a firearm. Um, and then I guess they got some surveillance uh, photos of, of these people and their escape vehicles uh, one of them was a, a high-end Mercedes-Benz, and another one was uh, a, uh, uh, a Ferrari for their getaway cars. So you're already being able to rob thousands of dollars from people. So you know you're already in a group of people that have plenty of money. You play in the NFL. You have plenty of money. You have two high-end luxury vehicles as your getaway cars. WTF, man. I mean, these are the kind of stories that just get redundant about talking about with the NFL. Well, Quentin Dunbar now is is no longer a person of interest. The the witnesses have stated they recanted their story against him, saying he wasn't involved. So I think he's going to be okay. Uh, But for Mr. Baker, you know, he, he's a guy who was a uh, top 30 pick a year ago uh, for the Giants, and uh, you know they lost about 70 grand uh, play, you know, gambling a day or so before, and then they go back to this place. They want to get like seven grand in cash, uh, and you know that's about what it costs to get an oil change for a Ferrari, and uh, you know they get some watches and stuff, but it's uh, it, it's just it's absolutely stupid. 
uh, you know, thing to do. A, you're with people who know who you are. Uh, you're in a, a getaway car that's not easy. It's an easy one to say, hey, look, this is what it was. And, uh, you know, how are you going to get rid of most of the stuff, most of the value of the stuff they got was watches. So they lost seven grand the night before. He came back and they got seven grand cash and some watches. So it looks like Mr. Dunbar is going to be uh, going to be okay. He's probably going to get uh, talking to for having been mentioned with it and, and there. But uh, you know, it, for Mr. Baker, it looks like uh, this could ruin his NFL career. Well, I, I guess again we go back to to trying to understand, and, and these are some things you'll never understand, but. You could kind of maybe somewhat see somebody down on their luck and and and, and not having the ba- best circumstances in their life, uh, deciding to make a bad decision. But you you kind of got to wonder about people who already have pretty much a good life and are hanging out with people who had a good life at a party and, and are, are driving luxury vehicles and stealing luxury watches. You kind of got to wonder where the motivation in that comes from. You know, I mean. Not that it's an excuse, but they're both still pretty young guys uh, who obviously are still hanging out with not the the best of crowds. And uh, I think, you know, we see that in the NFL and in sports a lot. We see guys who came from maybe a rough upbringing who during the offseason go back to to hanging out with those guys from the rough upbringing and and make dumb decisions. Uh, You know, I think the NFL – uh, maybe at some point and some other sports, but but maybe the NFL needs to do a better job. Uh, you know, the rookie symposium is only a couple of days of doing their best to help players distance themselves, uh, you know, from, from hangers on like that. It's just that the story we see repeatedly, it seems every single off season, young guys in the NFL who can't change the lifestyle or the hangers on they had uh, before they got drafted and started playing. And, and a lot of times these dumb things happen. And, and like I said, you know, how many times over the uh, off season we've seen guys busted uh, in big drug deals. So, I mean, this is the, the second or third instance of, uh, you know, somebody creating, uh, committing a felony or, or, or more uh, this off season. It, it, uh, it's going to be a problem. It's going to continue to happen. Uh, with guys who, uh, who who can't say no to uh, their unsavory friends of the past, which is unfortunate. But you know, I guess yeah, you're right. We could we could name example after example after example of what goes on uh, with the NFL. Uh, talk, speaking of the NFL and Monday Night Football, some conversations have been talked about a guy that we know well uh, from here in Indianapolis, and Mr. Pat McAfee to join the Monday Night Football team. Uh, is it seems to be in the works. Yeah, I mean, you know, Pat would be would be great for uh uh for Monday Night Football would bring some name value to it. It's just it's gonna be between ESPN and the NFL how uh, how serious they they want everything. Uh, you know, because Pat uh, tends to uh, go a little off script, and, and Pat is a guy who likes to have fun during broadcast. So it's going to to depend how uh, you know how far they're willing to go with that. And I think if they're going to muzzle Pat too much to where uh, he can't have fun, uh, then I don't know that it would be the right job for him. It would be exciting to see Pat do it, but again, it, they've got to let him play to his strengths. And as long as they do that, yeah, I think it could, it could be uh, it could be an awesome thing for Pat McAfee. 
Well, it's certainly an, an awesome opportunity, and we'll see we'll see what happens there. Let's kind of just kind of walk around the league a bit. It's certainly all we have right now to talk about for certainties is the NFL, and we know the NFL uh, team facilities are permitted to uh, reopen uh, Tuesday. Uh, what's the process do we think that's in place uh, that you would think they're still going to maintain a certain amount of social distancing? So that that looks like that could interfere with. Uh, some uh, hands-on practicing so are we talking about just meetings or film watching or what what are we talking about when they reopen well you know i think it would be good for especially for teams that uh are and have have either new uh coaches or coordinators or new quarterbacks so you know i think for the colts for philip rivers to have time and chances to throw uh, to his new receivers uh, i think that'll be it'll be great for them so i think it's going to be key to uh for rookies and for uh, for teams with uh, with new coaches and still new offenses or or new quarterbacks, I mean, you can never get enough reps uh, with uh, with a new quarterback early on. So I think it'll be uh, it'll be good for the uh, for the rookies and the and the new quarterbacks to get in there and and throw to their new teammates and and, and you know be with these new guys. Speaking of uh, rookies and, and uh, uh, veterans, if you will, uh, you, you've got this Aaron Rodgers-Jordan Love uh, uh, pair. Uh, certainly, obviously, Jordan Love was brought in to be the heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers, much like Aaron Rodgers was brought in to be the heir apparent to Brett Favre. Uh, what kind of comparisons can we draw between the two uh, uh, veteran rookie quarterback situations? Well, one would have to assume that the uh... – the relationship between Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love will be a, a lot better than it was between Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. But I, I get what the Packers were doing. You know, you've got a guy there that you want. Uh, you're able to move up and go get him at the end of the first round. But, you know, you don't have many more years left with Aaron Rodgers. I just It makes no sense to me. Year after year, for the past three or four years, they have gotten Aaron Rodgers no help uh, on offense. Uh, and then they draft the quarterback. So, I, I I get why Rodgers would be pissed off uh, because, you know, the window's closing for him. So go get the guy some help and try to win a Super Bowl now. Uh, I, I get you needed an, uh, an heir apparent to him, but I just – I overall think it's a bad move. And I, I think that Rodgers will use his motivation, obviously, uh, to carry a chip on the shoulder still. But I think that uh, some of his anger is warranted. You know, go get the guy some help. And – uh you know, he knows he's on the backside of his career. I just I, – I, had they gone and gotten some help in any of the previous few years, I don't think he would have been as upset. But, uh, you know, we'll see. It will spell the end of Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay uh, sooner than we expected. Will he Will he go the Brett Favre route? Will we see him in a different uniform in a year or two? Uh, so it, it'll be interesting to see what uh, what happens there in Green Bay. Well, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, of course, this is all uh, uh, hype for the camera. But according to uh, reports, uh, 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 Aaron Rodgers is really eager to get to work with uh, Jordan Love and to help him uh, develop. So, we'll, like you said, we'll, we'll see how, how that that can go. Let's just kind of uh, just talk a little bit about some of the teams that we know are going to have some uh, big changes going on. And, and obviously the, the elephant in the room is the New England Patriots and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. New England Patriots uh, no longer with 
uh, Tom Brady and uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are with Tom Brady. And a lot of people say that Tampa Bay is in line to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's a lot to put on a team that uh, has been pretty terrible uh, historically, you know, but it'll be fun to see Tom Brady uh, in that uh, offense with Bruce Arians. I mean, he's got all the weapons he needs, uh, including his uh, former uh, Hall of Fame bound tight end Rob Gronkowski. Uh, who, you know, has had a, a year and a half off taking hits. Uh, you've got a core of wide receivers there that are phenomenal. Uh, you know, they tried to upgrade the running game some. So uh, working with Bruce Arians, who, you know, every quarterback he's worked with has loved to play for him, well, it'll be, uh, it'll be uh, you know, fun to watch. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't throw my money on them going to the Super Bowl just yet because there are uh, Drew Brees and those uh, – New Orleans Saints, they have to see twice a year and get through to in order to uh, even just get to the playoffs. So I'm not I'm not making them Super Bowl bound yet. The uh, Patriots, you know, uh, never kind of Bill Belichick. Uh, he seems very excited about Jared Steedham uh, at quarterback. Uh, you know, so we'll we'll see what happens there. But I'm not I'm not making Tampa Bay Super Bowl bound yet, just yet. Well, that's good. Neither am I. I kind of wait to see. You want to see what what happens, you know. Let's kind of talk about some of these other teams that kind of got to get things in line. The Buffalo Bills have have had some success in the in the in in the in the recent past here, and Josh Allen has got to take the next step. It's all there now that he's got a solid offensive line, improved receiving group, uh, certainly led by Stephon Diggs, and uh, but uh, the the Buffalo Bills in the AFC. I think have all the weapons to have a good season and, and Josh Allen's got to go out there and, and make it happen. Yeah. I mean, and the bills do have a pretty smothering defense on top of it. They've drafted really well the last three or four years. And, you know, Tom Brady moves uh, out of that division, which is, you know, the, the Patriots have just had a stranglehold on uh, for the last couple of years. Now can the bills deal with being the, uh, the preseason favorites in that in that division can they uh you know deal with the hype and and not not get too full of the of their own newspaper clippings and and you know continue to build on what they've been building on for the last few years they are a pretty talented team uh and now they've got to go out and prove it so uh a lot of times with a young team though uh you know we've seen them get too full of their own hype and uh and and things fall apart so the Bills are going to have a lot riding on them and on their shoulders and a lot of expectations. And now they've got to figure out how to come out and, uh, you know, and live up to those. I know you follow and cover the Chicago Bears. Quell Mack has got to have a good year. What, how, how important of a centerpiece to the Bears is Quell Mack? Oh, I mean, he's the most important guy on that field. And, uh, you know, there, there's no doubt about it because they're a team that for the past few years has had to thrive on defense. And, and the defense had a little bit of a down year last year compared to the year before where that defense pretty much put them in the playoffs. So, you know, what, it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, at quarterback. You've got uh, Nick Foles, which you could risk battling it out uh, up there. Uh, you know, Nick Foles has never been a guy, though, who's brought a, an offense out and scored a ton of points. He's been very good when he's stepped in and had his chances to start in the play. But he's never been a guy that, you know, is a quarterback that goes out there and throws up you know, high, upper 30s, low 40s points every week. So it's still going to be, uh, I, I think, imperative on that Chicago Bears defense to get after the quarterback and, and be the unit that actually wins games for them. So uh, to me, you know, 
regardless that it's a quarterback given league, Khalil Max is still the most important guy on that football team. With the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, uh, Ben Roethlisberger, ben, Big Ben, certainly getting up there in age and getting up there with his time in the NFL. Is he still able to be Big Ben? Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see. He's a guy who had uh, a lot of time off, not taking hits last year. Um, but, you know, it, it, is he still as effective? I mean, he feels like he's lost uh, – a little bit over the past few years. Can they keep him healthy? Can they keep him upright? Uh, you know, can they uh, can they figure out how to help uh, out in those wide receiving cores? Uh, adding Eric Ebron, I think, will help uh, for him. But, you know, we wondered uh, if, if Juju Smith-Schuster would be a guy who would be a- as successful without Antonio Brown. It's easy to be a very good number two receiver when you when your number one guy gets all the attention. So it opens a lot of things up for you. Will he be able to adapt to the season and and you know really play as the number one receiver, which he did in last year? Uh, you know, and if uh, if Big Ben goes down again, the Steelers are still in a world of hurt because the the uh, the bench is pretty bare when it comes to backups in Pittsburgh. Cam Newton still looking for a jersey to wear. Uh, the Panthers decided that they were going to get out of the Cam Newton business. Uh, one was that a, a a good decision for the the Carolina Panthers, and two. Why? Why is Cam Newton still looking for a team? Well, because you know, at first Cam Newton, uh, he had the Allen Iverson uh, attitude that he wasn't going to go anywhere and be a backup. He wanted to be a starter, and I think starting quarterbacks have to, uh, after so long or so many injuries, when they're cut, they have to decide. You know, do they want to be an Allen Iverson? and uh, they're only going to start, and then maybe they're <clears throat> out of the league, or do they want to be a Vince Carter, and they'll decide that, hey, I'll take a backup role, get my opportunities when I can, and, you know, be around as, <clears throat> you know, forever like Vince Carter has been in the NBA. So, uh, you know, Newton has said now he'll he's willing to look at a backup role, but I think him coming out uh, with the kind of money he wanted and the injury history saying he was only going to be a starter, uh, you know, made it to where he's kind of the last guy out there sitting around uh, you know, so it's uh, he's a strong personality, and I, you know, I think maybe some uh, teams are worried about that quarterback room. Uh, if he's only going to be a starter, what his attitude would be like? Would he have boo-boo face if uh, if he didn't win the job? So, uh, you know, I think now it's going to be up to him to prove personality-wise that that he's honestly willing to take a backup role because I think that's all he's going to get right now until he gets a chance and proves himself again. Well, we'll see what see what happens. Uh, final question, final word of the day before we got to wrap it up, and put a bow on it. Have you started the Michael Jordan uh, documentary yet? Oh yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm 100% caught up and, and excited for the uh, last two episodes this week. It's been fantastic. Uh, ESPN and, and and those directors have done a great job. The fact that they talked Michael into it uh, to do it, and he's been it seems you know very. Uh, candid and honest uh, with it has been phenomenal. We saw a little bit of emotion last week when talking about uh, some of his teammates, uh, and I, I think they did a great job of putting it together the way it, it kind of jumps back and forth from going back to the past to where Michael was and then trying to get back to that last season. Uh, yeah, I can't wait for the last two episodes this weekend. 
Well, I'm going to tell you what, uh, no spoilers for me, uh, because I'm going to start it this way. I, I wanted to kind of put it in a position where I could just kind of do a binge with it, and I think that's kind of uh, where I'm at now. Uh, so uh, I think I'm going to get it started uh, probably later today or tomorrow. So I'm, I'm excited to to see how all that comes together. Mo, for the BS Sports Show, where can people find your work and masterpieces, sir? Uh, on Twitter, at Mo Radio Show. All right, buddy. We'll talk with you soon. Have yourself a good weekend, and we'll and, we'll, and uh, hopefully we'll get out of this real soon. We'll get back to the, to our our love of sports. Awesome, man. Talk to you soon. All right, Mo from the BS Sports Show joins us, and uh, we'll be right back with Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor, going to be breaking down some IndyCar. The return of NASCAR is Darlington this weekend as well. Big news there to get uh, to get on the the docket and conversations with nine one seven eighty nine eight five one six. So just I'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Copeland. Mama and Daddy put the roots right here, cause this is where the car broke down. Yellow dog school bus, kicking up red bus, kicking us up by barbed wire fence. MTV on the RCA, no AC in the vents. We were Jesus, Sammy, Blue. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance morning face you get is when you don't sleep well this is what happened to linda morning guys good morning ah, what is that thing it's me linda oh my god it talks right no it's me linda from hr it looks hungry save the children save them stay back i've got moving. it's called beauty sleep for a reason and there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. All right, well, 
Welcome back to the balance. 917-889-5 sorry, let's try that again. 917-889-8516 is our digits Mo from the BS Sports Show has jo- just joined us and is breaking down the world of uh sports uh and as we get ready to roll back in to sports. But one thing that is happening tomorrow, big news on the on the racing front and on the sports front of all, all eyes are gonna be on NASCAR. Joining us now is Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor, is gonna do dual role in NASCAR. And IndyCar with us today, but we're going to start with some NASCAR uh, talk. Uh, Matthew, uh, first of all, how are you? You can you hear me? Du- one two three, one two three. I can hear you just fine. You sound like a, a charm, bro. Yeah, doing it from the studios today because my phone battery died again, like it did two weeks oh, wow. ago. So unfortunately, I'm having bad luck with that. Well, you sound much better than what you did last week, so it's all it's all it's all good. Well, let's talk a little bit about Darlington. Uh, Darlington is going to be the first uh, race since I think it was March uh, of NASCAR. Uh, they're going to be the first of all the sports that are coming back, and you know, a, a lot of people are used to watching NASCAR on Sunday, but I think that there's going to be a lot of people watching. NASCAR. NASCAR's got to get this right. I think they've got a lot of things in place. Some things will be a little bit different, especially for us that follow racing uh, quite extensively, like you and I do, but there'll be no qualifying. It's a green flag go. Uh, There'll be all the drivers uh, will be assigned uh, their own cart or car. To, they're to drive from their motorhome to the car, to the track. Each team is only allowed like six members. Limited uh, media, uh, major networks are limited as well. The only person that's ever going to come in direct contact uh, with the driver is uh, the the guy who puts the screen up on the window. Uh, everybody will be tested twice a day, uh, so a lot of things are in place and. You know, NASCAR has said, hey, uh, you got to go by these rules, and if you don't, we, we're going to come down heavy on you. So let's talk a little bit about NASCAR opening up and bringing back uh, sports to the world. Uh, all eyes are on NASCAR tomorrow down in Darlington. Well, hopefully they t- do this smartly and safely. Uh, we don't have face-to-face interviews like, you know, like we did with USC last weekend. I mean, that made me real nervous there, and I think that was kind of reckless on UFC's part. Hopefully NASCAR learns a lesson as a positive uh, step on how to handle these things for, say, IndyCar and IMSA, who take uh, their first races coming up in July and June, or June and July, respectively. So hopefully this shows how to properly do it and do it in a way that it uh, is properly done and safely done so that the, you know, public and the government have the confidence of opening up more of these sports knowing that it can be done safely where we don't have an issue with spreading the virus. Now, granted, I don't think it's going to lead to something like full fans like by August for the Indy 500, but it is a step in the right direction. At least we are getting stuff back off the ground and running again. And considering what we had two months ago, Tom, I'll gladly take that. I will take it too, and it's going to be exciting to see uh, the cars back on uh, back on the track. Um, so, wh- where are we at? How, I mean, how do we think? Because you know they're not going to have any practice time. They're not going to have any qualifying time. Uh, I think they're going to be uh, lined up according to point standing, the way that I understand it. But you look at it like this: yes, they've been in the simulators. Uh, and yes, they've been trying to, you know, do their own physical workouts and stuff, but they've not been out there as a team. I kind of look for pure mayhem at that green flag. 
Well, I think right now it's, we'll find out quick who's been locked in too much to this iRacing Challenge because there's a different feel from, you know, being at your home behind, you know, either a console, computer, or one of those uh, little chassis things. There's a big difference between that and actually being in a real race car. So I'll be curious to see if any bad habits that were learned there possibly caused some issues. And it's really going to put the drivers to the test when you put them on probably the toughest track on the circuit, Darlington, where there's little to no margin for error. Well, let's talk a little bit about Darlington, the drivers, and let's just talk a little bit about Darlington. Obviously, in South Carolina, uh, they have to abide by the state's uh, guidelines, but let's get everything going. Let's uh, let's break down uh, the, the, the race tomorrow. Let's break down the Darlington track. Talk with us a little bit about its makeup and what it's about. Well, obviously, it's an egg-shaped track. It was the first track that actually was created in the South that was a paved track and a super speedway. Uh, it was formed by Harold Brasington, who had attended the 1947 Indy 500, was thrilled by the spectacle, wanted to bring something to the South, but there was a track capable of hosting an event. Uh, so he built Darlington, actually had to build it odd shape because a pond that his neighbor had, he did not want filled, so that pond was not disturbed. So therefore, that's why the track is not an exactly complete oval. It's actually an oval that kind of juts out a little bit on the back straightaway. If you were to even out, you know, put the front straightaway straight on the plane, then you'll see a notice a different where it phases out a little bit. But uh, it creates two different turns, a lot of different banking, and a lot of different setup. And obviously, with the banking the way it is and the way it flattens, the lower you go, you're going to see guys right up along the wall through turns one and two and three and four, and that's where you get that Darlington stripe. In fact, just watch the color of the fence and wall <laughs> during the race. It'll be pure white at the beginning. It'll be jet black by maybe the quarter mark of the race. Yeah, and that you know each, each track has its unique uh, things that we look for, and know that that is a a very good thing to bring up the the old Darlington Stripe, and that's going to be that's going to be something. You know, it's kind of weird to say that that's going to be something fun to watch for, but you you are absolutely uh, right about that, uh, Darlington. So let's talk about let's just go into some of these uh, uh, stables. Uh, we look at this as the final year for for Jimmy Johnson, and we've seen Jimmy Johnson dabble in the IndyCar world as well so let's talk a little bit about jimmy johnson well jimmy johnson actually has had a decent start the year he's currently eighth in the standings that's where he'll start on sunday since car owner points uh determine it obviously there's a difference between car owner points because that's bowing by car not necessarily a specific driver that's how the grids are determined if there's a washout there's no qualifying so jimmy's actually had a decent season he's been competitive uh, obviously, he's kind of gotten outshone by, uh, for instance, Alex Bowman, who's second in points coming into this weekend. But uh, you look at the scenarios, and I think Jimmy Johnson still has a chance maybe to win that eighth title, but uh, still uh, it's a long shot, especially the way that, for instance, all these Fords are running. In fact, when you have, let's see, six of the top ten currently in car owner points are from the Blue Oval brand. I'd say that says right now that Ford has the strongest car at this point, and especially Stuart Haas Racing, where you have, you know, Eric Almarola's up there in fifth. You have Kevin Harvick in sixth. Mm. And uh, then, obviously, Team Penske connections with Brad Keselowski leading the championship, Blaney seventh in points, and then their satellite team with the Wood Brothers, Matt DiBenedetto, currently running third. 
No, you mentioned Kevin Harvick. I mean, uh, certainly he's he's been out of the the, the vehicle for a while. Uh, strong four, you I agree that Ford's got a b- big number there. Hey, I want to you know I talked a little bit about this with Steve Wilson, but I hadn't had a chance to really talk with you about it. You know, here, here's the thing: we won't see Kyle Larson, and, and I kind of I'm, I'm I'm like on that fence. Yes, it was something that he should have never said. Uh, maybe. Maybe NASCAR came down a little strong on him. He's now racing in the world of outlaws. But what do you think about how it was hand, how this situation, very delicate situation, was handled uh, by NASCAR and Kyle Larson? Do you think that his career should have basically been put to an end over a, a bad decision? We've all made it. Well, We've he has done. been banned for life. He's just been suspended indefinitely for the situation. So it's not to the level, say, what Donald Sterling said when he was banned for life in the NBA or some other ones where, the like in NHL, when we had, I think, uh, what was it, Chris Simon said something, and he was given, I think, like a year and a half uh, banishment for using a slur against Mike Greer. And uh, then you have situations where, well, Obviously, there's some inconsistency. It's a he said, he said between what Miles Garrett claims was said when he attacked Mason Rudolph and what Mason Rudolph claims happened. So we'll never, probably mm-hmm. never know, unfortunately, what happened there. But uh, we clearly do know what Kyle Larson said. And the thing that just bothers me about it the most with Kyle Larson is Kyle Larson was a graduate of the same drive for diversity program these other minority drivers are. And for him to use the slur... That's what disappointed me the most is he struggled just as much as these guys did to try to get into the top level of NASCAR. And for him to say something like that, I was really disappointed when I heard him use that slur. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate that 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 word is still a part of our vocabulary. It's, I think, a lot of times used uh, just to, uh, freely, and a lot of people may use Part it. Part of my French – Tom, but I just hate hearing it, and I hear it way too often right now. It's just you know, driving me nuts. Yeah. So, but we'll see. But you know, no, NASCAR did not uh, ban him for life. But he's going to have a very difficult uh, struggle back when it comes to the sponsorship. So, uh, as good of a driver as he might be, and NASCAR might say you could come back. Teams may not want to touch him with a 10-foot pole because they know sponsors aren't going to want to put their name on a car that he's driving. It could, it well, could go that. It could go that deep. The question is, though, how is he going to be able to handle it? We saw what happened when Shane Meal was banned for life for the positive drug test. He tried to make a name for himself in USAC and had a decent run until a crash ended his career prematurely. Uh, Kyle Larson is probably going to be running the World of Outlaws circuit, be my best guess right now until he finds something opens up. So be interesting to see how he does there, especially considering two straight years he's finished second at the Knoxville Nationals. So maybe this is the year for him to win the Knoxville Nationals and maybe get himself back on the map. All right, let's move on over to IndyCar. Obviously, we know that this would be the the time of year where we would have already been spending some time down at the track. We'd be getting things planned for Memorial Day weekend, for the race. Not going to happen. Um one thing I, I do know is if you're local here or if you can pick up a 1070 The Fan or WIBC, which is the flagship station of the Indianapolis 500, uh, they're going to have up for you to vote uh, your favorite Indianapolis 500. Uh, and they're going to broadcast that uh, from start to finish, from pre-race to post-race, as if it really happened uh, on that, that day on the exact same starting time. So 
we'll get to see which race that's going to be, but that will be interesting uh, to, to, to listen to as well. But IndyCar looking for a comeback in June out in Texas. What do we know about their comeback preparations? Well, right now I'd say every team that was it that was had sub representation, the iRacing Childs, with the exception of Hoon Coast Racing, is looking real good right now. The team though that I'm a little bit worried about at this point is Dragon Speed. Uh we saw no one represented representing Dragon Speed throughout the entire <laughs> iRacing Challenge. Uh we still have no clue what they're gonna do with Ben Hanley and I don't know where their mindset is. Is it with IndyCar or is it focusing on the 24 Hours of Le Mans? Uh, if it's the 24 Hours of Le Mans where they could potentially get two entries with the massive withdrawals that we have seen, uh, for those of you that have been following, for instance, teams like Porsche North America and even Corvette Racing withdrew this past week from Le Mans. So, yeah, it. I'll be very curious to see what Dragon Speed does, and I think right now they're not going to be able to do both sports car and Indy cars, so... I'll be very curious to see what Elton Julian decides to do. And uh, if he goes the sports car route, I doubt he that may open up a team and a spot possibly on the entry list for the Indy 500 at least uh, if uh, that 81 car is a no-show, which if they go the sports car route, I think that's a very definite possibility. Speaking of sports cars, there's a rumor out there that Ferrari going to be an IndyCar manufacturer for 2022. What do we know about that? They say they're looking into it, but don't forget, for those of you that have followed IndyCar for a long time like I have, you think back to 1987, 1988, when if you followed, looked in the program for the 1986 Indy 500, and they were talking about a Ferrari IndyCar possibly be in the works for 1987, which they were working on with Bobby Rahal and the True Sports team, and then they pulled back. And they pulled back when they got a more beneficial stake from F1. And right now there's some disagreement between them and F1, and I think it's the frustration building. They're still playing second fill to Mercedes. So I think this is nothing more until I've proved otherwise. I hear a confirmation that they're going to be the third manufacturer that this is a power move, try to get more of a better shake at what F1 has not necessarily try to make a move to IndyCar. I, I I just don't think they're going to be followed the same way that McLaren did. And the thing that scares me about Ferrari, if supposedly it's about, you know, the team caps that they're most frustrated about, if they do come into IndyCar, the last thing IndyCar needs with, you know, the new regulations coming in 2022 is a massive raise in the cost of racing. And if Ferrari is going to raise the cost of racing, I don't know how beneficial that's going to be for IndyCar in general. Yes, they need a third manufacturer, but they also don't need a big raise in cost where it's going to scare teams away. No, yeah, I absolutely, absolutely agree. You know, we talk about the Indy 500 coming up in August. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, that cut line and, and how they're going to come. Are we going to have the 33 cars? Talk with us a little bit about how things might look a little bit different for an Indianapolis 500 in August than it does in May. Right now... If you exclude the Dragon Speed car and add the Top Gun car, I believe there are 31 confirmations at this point. Now, obviously, there's going to be a second driver to ride bold car, which would probably be J.R. Hildebrand again, so that would be 32. There's going to be a second car for Carlin. Possibly Philippe Nasser drives that. That would be 33. And then you possibly have the Jonathan Bird racing car 
say, with Coyne, with James Davidson, and that's 34. At this point, unless something else comes about last minute that we don't know about, I think that's as good as it's going to get to this point where we have only 33 or 34 uh, because there's still uh, serious question marks, obviously, with Dragon Speed, whether they're going to go sports car or Indian car. And I think there's still question marks of what UCOS is going to do because they're always you know, a penny pincher, always last-minute budget putting together, trying to jump out of the plane and trying to make the parachute before you smash on the ground. So at this point, uh, even though, yeah, bump day is planned for, I don't know how much of a bump day we're actually going to have. We may only have 33 to where a bump day won't be necessary. So uh, what I also understand is that NBC is going to air the 2019 enhanced version of the Indianapolis 500 on May 24th. So we'll, we'll still have the Indianapolis 500 in May, just not the real one, right? What are your thoughts on them doing that? They did that with the Kentucky Derby this earlier this month, and then the virtual Derby. At least they're not doing a virtual Indy, because I don't know how that would work. And with all the dramas we've had, I don't think that would be, especially the end of the virtual Indy race uh, earlier this month. Uh, I don't know if we need that drama again. Not that that was a bad thing, but, uh, you know, I'll be very curious to see what happens. And then, obviously, you think of what uh, the future holds. uh of course, the situation, I think the biggest question is we talk about the next future potential superstar, Scott McLaughlin, now that he is out of the play because of the delay due to the COVID-19. Um, is he still in the running for a 2021 seat with Penske? Uh, does it open doors possibly where maybe a team like if McLaren doesn't make it with Award or Askew, would McLaren make a move for him? Um, I think it's opened a lot of doors potentially, and I think uh, – the shoe-in belief that McLaughlin was headed to Penske, uh, that may not be a nece- – it's, it's still probably the favorite of things to happen, Tom. But with the situation with this COVID and the unknowns of him being able to get into a race or not this year, uh, it has opened the doors, and there may be more places where he could end up besides Penske for 2021. So the city of Toronto has canceled uh, all permits uh, for events containing 250 more people through July 31st. This obviously takes uh, taking the Honda Indy Tornado uh, in, Indy, Honda Indy Toronto. Toronto. Man, I can't talk today. Uh, off the race schedule. How's this going to create a domino effect uh, as we again we have the Indy 500 in August what races do you think stay in place what ones will go and how do you think we'll we'll go through this season once we start back up in June well if Toronto doesn't go which is a street circuit event and I have to say even though they keep saying that St. Petersburg is going to be the finale uh, the street circuits situation is going to be that tight with the COVID situation I have a feel I have a bad feeling the street circuit events are probably going to be the first to go uh, the permanent road courses, I think, are going to be safe, uh, assuming they have enough to spread out where they can allow at least some fans in. And the oval races, I think the oval races are the only ones I think that could slide without any fans because unlike NASCAR, IndyCar doesn't have the TV deal or money necessary to be able to maintain that without taking too big of a loss of the event or the track promoter taking too big of a loss. So... At this point, uh, the oval races, I think, are going to run without an issue. But uh, the permanent road courses, I still think those will be okay. But I think the street circuit events, especially Toronto and St. Petersburg, if they both get canceled again, I would not be surprised. Well, we'll certainly see how things plan out. The first uh, uh, race scheduled for an Indy Day event is on June 6th. 
Uh, it'll be a one-day event without a test day. Uh, so uh, why not do a test day at IMS? Are there any plans to do this? I, I think Memorial Day weekend would be a good time to maybe do this. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think right now they're just trying to limit the interaction so that if there is a positive test, uh, it's caught when they could deal with it, and it just doesn't loom over to them to the point where someone gets cold feet and says, we don't want to run, you know, Texas. Uh, And granted, that doesn't sound like the greatest thing to hear, but at the same time, though, you want to keep these drivers and teams as limited in risk as possible because uh, we can't kid ourselves here, even though, yeah, the numbers seem to have thinned out. It uh, doesn't mean that we are in the clear at this point, and you have to still be mind your P's and Q's a little bit here and make sure that you're making safe decisions. I mean, that's why I say uh, if you want to see a way not to handle things, how the USC handled things this past weekend on their Wednesday show uh, was very, uh, I would say, risque and dangerous. And hopefully, like I said, NASCAR, IndyCar, and these other circuits that are in sports leagues are getting back in will take a page and not go as risque as they did. So this is going to be really the first big challenge for Roger Penske as the owner of the IndyCar series. You know, being in his first year of being the owner of the IndyCar, uh, you know, he, he, he owns a lot of businesses and has his hands on a lot of different things. So he certainly uses, used to the ups and downs. Uh, but this uh, economically and financially could be one of the biggest downs he's ever experienced in his career. Well, it's a big down for everybody. It's not just Roger. Uh, this uh, situation has just been, you know, a nightmare for everybody, and yours truly granted. Thankfully, my two jobs are back up and going to the point where I'm making the normal amounts as usual again, but still uh, other people aren't in that situation. I'm sure, especially for these team members who don't have potentially other jobs and fines of money, uh, they've been struggling at wit's end just trying to make money. And, uh, the thing is, though, I think, like Robin Miller said, and usually, like you know, I don't agree with Robin, but I think getting the sponsors to stay aboard for 2021, I think, is the biggest concern right now for IndyCar and its teams and drivers who have personal sponsorship that they're bringing in, uh, keeping them happy and keeping them willing to stay around for 2021. I'd say that's the number one concern right now if you're in the IndyCar paddock right now is making sure you have the funds still around and obviously keeping those sponsors happy uh, certainly is going to be the number one key. Now, granted, I don't know how much benefit they got with, you know, the iRacing Challenge because the numbers ratings-wise weren't all that great. But uh, it would be very curious to see. But I'd say for NASCAR and IndyCar, keeping those sponsors aboard, looking ahead to 2021, we're hopefully back up and going again. That's job number one at this point. Yeah, you mentioned Robin Miller, and, and certainly Robin Miller lives here in Indianapolis and has been around uh, the, the racing community for a long time and certainly very well respected. He has his opinions and just like uh, other people do, and sometimes you agree with him, sometimes you don't. But, you know, certainly our thoughts, our prayers are with Robin as he is uh, certainly in some uh, pretty concerning stages with cancer, and he's also – you know, which puts him at a very high risk for all of this stuff that's going on as well. So, um, you know, it, it uh, it's sad to hear that news about him this week that, that he is uh, 
we know we've known for a few years now that he's been battling cancer, but it sounds like it's it's kind of taken a turn for the worse. So hopefully everything comes out for for the best on that. Matthew Ambury, WSBT up in South Bend. Uh, final words of thoughts and wor- wisdom with with NASCAR, IndyCar. What do you got, sir? Well, I'd say right now uh, for Darlington, I'd say survival is going to be a thing and. Uh, unfortunately, I think with the guys, hopefully they didn't learn too many bad habits with the iRacing Challenge, but I think if the, anyone did, uh, it could be a race that's dominated by caution flags uh, coming up this weekend. And uh, for IndyCar, I think you'll see very cautious driving, uh, especially a lot of unknowns with the windscreen. But, again, you don't want to put people at risk by running an extra test where you could have people getting COVID left and right. So you have to play it cautious, and I think we'll see a very cautious race. Uh, maybe guys right at the start, maybe going single file to turn one and two just to avoid the big accident at the start. But uh, it could be a lackluster event. But considering as long as any car gets through one safely, I think fans will live with that. that and uh, looking ahead to Indy right now, things will only get better from there. But I think as long as they get through the first race without issue, I'd say that's a win for everyone regardless of what happens. Matthew Embry, we appreciate you joining us today. Where can people find your work and masterpieces, sir? M-A-T-T-M-B-U-R on Twitter. And I apologize, I haven't been making many posts, but unfortunately my Internet at home has been acting up a little bit, so hopefully we'll get that fixed and I'll be a little bit more active on that uh, in the upcoming days and weeks. Maybe it's got a virus. <laughs> Let's oh, not go there, Bob. You're to be out here. <laughs> All right, buddy. Come on, What's Tom. Up, all right. Have a good day. We'll try it again next week, Tom. Yes, sir. All yes, right. Sir. Matthew Embry, WSBT, up in South Bend, joining us uh, to talk some IndyCar. Uh, yes, and uh, that button came on me real quick. Uh, so we'll be right back with Ed Kratz. Beat writer for, for the Philadelphia Eagles SI.com. Going to be joining us. Going to be taking a walk around the NFL as they get ready to open up on Tuesday their facilities. Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4-on-4 with a barbershop quartet. 
Bum, bum, bum. Pass the ball, pass the ball. We're open, just pass the ball. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA Sultan mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Welcome back to The Balance. My name is Tom Marquez, El Presidente. One hour in the books, and we are uh, going to be going into our final half hour. We are slowly but surely going to be getting back to our full two-hour schedule as we've got racing coming back uh, tomorrow. And Darlington, big comeback there. Uh, thank you for Matthew Embry for joining us at WSPT up in South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor, breaking down Darlington, NASCAR, and IndyCar. And then Mo for the BS Sports Show joined us earlier to start the show off. Uh, to to get things going and joining us now with the ring in the ear is uh, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. That's like.com. How are you, sir? I'm great, Tom. How you doing? Fantastic. You know, we're, we're coming out slowly, uh, but 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 surely. Uh, so certainly, let's let's talk a little bit about the NFL reopening. We know they're going to be opening up their facilities on uh, Tuesday. Talk with us a little bit about that process, that limitations uh, from the Eagles' perspective, which I'm sure is very similar across the league. They've probably got some things in, in standard. Uh, I'm sure there's there's still some very much concerns about the uh, social distancing. Are you going to be able to go to the facility? What are some of the things that are in, in process as they begin to reopen their facilities to, to get things ready for the 2020 season? Yeah, no, I, I won't be able to go to the facility, and players and coaches aren't allowed to go to the facility yet either. It's a, uh, it's just kind of a marginal step right now, I think. Uh, you know, for athletes that need to be uh, rehabbed, uh, they're allowed to go to the facility, um, and some uh, other staff members, up to about 75 people. But then that's all in accordance with um, the guidelines of the state. Um, so I'm not sure the Giants and the Jets, because they train in that northeast corridor where, you know, the virus has hit really hard. I don't know if they're going to be actually able to open on Tuesday, and that's kind of why they're doing this in uh, very slow stages, because they don't want to give any team a competitive advantage um, to just open it and say, okay, players and coaches, you can come on in, and you can begin lifting weights and running plays and all this stuff, because not every team is going to be able to do that. I'm not even sure. I haven't even gained confirmation from the Eagles yet uh, if they're going to be one of the teams to open because I know here in southeastern Pennsylvania um, things are, you know, still still pretty bad, um, apparently. So 
I'm not sure the Eagles are going to open either. So it's a very small step, um, but it's it's an important step because it does show that things are loosening up and things are beginning to open just slightly. But right now, players and coaches cannot uh, even go into the facility at this point, even when it opens. So I, what what's the process on this? Because at some point they're going to have to – obviously football is a very uh, non-social distancing sport, if you will. Uh, what's the process in, in how they're looking at maybe uh, being able to bring that back and get it into that physical contact in the late, late summer? Or what's, the, what's, the, what's the timeline? What's the process that's outlined that maybe they begin, can begin to uh, get in there and doing workouts and, and, and having physical contact? Well, it's going to probably be into the summer before we take the next step with the NFL. And again, it has to, it, not all, every state is the same. You know, I know, you know, Florida, I guess is wide open and the, and the governor invited any sports team that wants to uh, relocate to Florida until things are safe in their home state. So um, I wouldn't surprise me if teams begin looking at that, especially, like I said, the Jets, Giants, maybe the Eagles, um, maybe even the well, – I think the Steelers are kind of in a, <clears throat> in a yellow zone right now in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is slowly reopening. Um, nothing has been green-lighted. I think uh, most of the counties have moved from the red phase to the yellow phase. I know – you know, the Philadelphia and surrounding area is still in the red phase. Um, but, I mean, it's it's really going to depend on, be dependent on each state and what their guidelines are. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't expect to see the facilities fully opened until uh, we're a little further down the road and when players can begin to train and everything is kind of green-lighted by that state's governor. And then even then there will have to be some sort of testing in place, um, you know, checking for fevers, you know, maybe – uh, doing the, the the swabs or whatever, however they test for the corona virus, um, I'm sure that will be looked into. I mean, baseball's looking into that now, and you know, there's a, they they want to be safe, and obviously the players want to be safe, and um, the the leagues are going to have to make sure that they are. And to do that, they're going to be have to be tested, and then I don't know what's going to happen if someone tests positive, if they have to take a seat for a couple weeks, and then you just plug in the hole from you know someone off your practice squad if you're the NFL or um, how that's going to look, but I suspect that it's still, even though it was an it's an encouraging first sign that these facilities have been deemed to be open. Uh, I don't think we're going to be seeing the next step anytime within the next month after that. I think they're going to proceed very slowly. And you got to do that, and you got to wonder. Uh, so what what happens if we get far advanced into this reopening stage? And as as we've seen here in Indiana, and I saw some things that it's happening in Texas, and we 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 partially did a partial reopen. Uh, I won't be going back to the office until mid June, uh, but we saw some restaurants are opening. Uh, restaurants all around me were packed, but we're also seeing a backlash of that. And I'm, I'm all for let's get the economy moving again. Let's get out there. Let's get things open. But we're also now starting to see a, a, a spike in a uh, more cases. So what happens if we get down the road here and players come into the locker room and and uh, whether it's pregame or practice or, or whatever, and they're tested and, and they find out that they're positive, what do we do now? Now we've got a whole team that we've got to look at being quarantined for 14 days or so that could, could really create a major issue. What are we concerned about that at all? Not only yeah. with the NFL, but other sports as we open up. Yeah. You know, that's a good point. I mean, what if uh, five guys in, you know, in the Colts locker room test positive, do you, 
you have to shut everything down. And then if you're, you know, here we are in October and we're playing games, maybe without fans, do you all of a sudden, well, geez, the Colts can't play against, uh, you know, the Texans this weekend because, uh, you know, they're all in quarantine. And, and then what happens? I mean, you know, that's, that's a great question. I mean, uh, did they just take the five that tested positive if it's five or, um, because, you know, a lot of people test positive for this and it's, it's not a death sentence. People do overcome it, but you don't want to spread it obviously. And right. You know, football is one of those sports where, you know, you're obviously in close contact. You go into the locker room now in the summer and in training camp, and there's 90 players that are on a roster right now and they're all crammed into really tight quarters. And then you have media coming in and, um, you know, these are all good questions. And that's why I just, I'm not sure it's going to, you know, I'm not, you know, I hate to be the downer, but I just don't see things starting uh, on September uh, 13th with that full slate of games. I know the 10th is the first kickoff game with the Chiefs and Texans, but I, I just have a hard time seeing that it, it's going to happen because you have to have a training camp of some sort uh, for the players. And, you know, do you start that in August and hope that people stay healthy enough to be able to start the season in September or Maybe you start it and you hope, like you said, you don't have five, six guys on one team test positive. Because if you do, I think you're going to be back to, to, to square one with this thing. Yeah, so I, I, I'm, I'm in, in agreement with you. And as much of a fan of football as I am, I'd love to be down there at Lucas Oil Stadium and, and uh, really looking forward to a season this year. you gotta be got to be careful about how, how we, 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 uh, we, open, we reopen. Uh, so we'll, we'll yeah. see. We'll certainly uh, be monitoring it uh, from the Eagles standpoint, as far as covering the Eagles, what do you got working? What are you working on there, sir? Yeah. Uh, but I, I will say, Tom, I am in, in agreement with you and that, you know, I, I'm, I'm anxious to get things opened up and started and get the economy back and get, get people back to, you know, normalcy again or whatever the new normalcy is going to look like, but at least get people back to work, give people some reason to, you know, get up in the morning and, uh, you know, look forward to maybe a sporting event or some something or even a movie, like if a movie theater were to open. I mean, it just I'm really anxious for that. But you're right. We have to do it safely. And um, I'm not sure we're at that point yet. We might be trying to open things a little too soon, but I don't know. I mean, I, it's so it's such a mysterious virus that you just don't know when it's going to be safe. So uh, you just cross your fingers and hope that this works, this slow opening and nothing kind of boomerangs back and, and we see a significant spike where we have to shut down everything again. So uh, we'll see. But what, what I'm working on uh, with the Eagles is um, Jason Kelsey had talked to us uh, uh, Thursday afternoon and it was kind of interesting. He, he drew a parallel to the 2011 season when they had the lockout and he was a rookie that year and uh, he said he didn't get his train his playbook until two days before training camp opened and uh, kind of really set him back and set all the rookies coming in back because they hadn't obviously been in a camp before. So uh, he said it's sort of similar now that these rookies and these, uh, you know, everybody's excited about everybody's draft class and we're, we're looking at who had the best draft, but it's going to take these rookies and these free agents mm-hmm. even some time to get on the same page and to learn the playbook. Um, because it's one thing to do it, you know, virtually when you're sitting on your computer at home and you're, you're, you know, you're looking at the chalkboard and someone's explaining the X's and O's to you, your position coach or whoever, but when you, you got to take it out on the field. And if you don't have that, then you're going to be obviously set back. And you look at the Eagles and any quarterback, they like to throw with their receivers in the off season. I know Carson Wentz had 
had his receivers down to Houston where he has a home one year, a couple of years ago, they went to North Dakota where, uh, you know, where he is from. And, um, you know, they all spent the week together and bonded and did some working out and threw the football around, but you're, you're not going to have that. So, you know, if we do get a season, it's going to be interesting to see what it looks like, um, how many weeks of training camp we're going to have to prepare uh, for the season. So I'm kind of taking a look at that to see, you know, how at least the Eagles are affected, but you could say every team is going to be affected. So uh, I'm looking at that, but I just thought it was an interesting parallel Jason Kelsey drew between now and 2011 coming in after the lockout um, with training camps kind of opening shortly after they reached the CBA. So um, looking at that, uh, I think, you know, uh, we're going to start a position series at SI looking at each team in each uh, division uh, and ranking the positions. We're going to be working with a few uh, former uh, personnel play, uh, people across the league to help us with that. So, I mean, we're, we're trying to find content under every rock we can, uh, every, under, every other <laughs> rock we can find. Trust me, I understand. Believe me, content's uh, hard hard to find. But then you have things that that, that happen in, in the uh, in the NFL uh, with uh, uh, oh, <laughs> I was just talking about Quentin Dubar and uh, uh, oh, the yeah. other guy, uh, DeAndre oh, Baker. DeAndre Baker. DeAndre, DeAndre Baker. Baker. Well, yeah, here's the story. I'm sure you're familiar with it, and I'm familiar with the story. So they go, they have a, they go to a house party, they host a house party, whatever. They um, rob thousand armed robbery. Uh, they're they're charged with armed robbery and assault with a, a deadly weapon and uh, uh, deadliest uh, threats or whatever. Uh, and they, they stole watches and they stole cash, thousands of dollars from this house party. On surveillance tape, they've got two high-end luxury vehicles, one of them being a Ferrari and one of them being a high-end Mercedes-Benz. <laughs> oh, my God. Here we go again. These are stories that, that I, I, I guess it, it's comical to talk about on one end, but the other end of it, it goes to the deeper problem that we, we talk about. Uh, certainly, I think Quentin du- Dubar's lawyer says that he has five witnesses that exonerate the cornerback. Uh, so du- Dunbar may not be part of this, but uh, certainly the other guy is. They both have warrants out for their arrest. They're both been given the opportunity to turn themselves in, and they haven't. And right now, it looks like they're both being turned over to the U.S. Marshal Service. Well, they'll, well, they'll be arrested. But, I mean, where, where's this come from? I mean, what? Where's where's the mindset? Especially when you're already, you gotta you gotta think you're probably in in the higher income level, even if you're on the lower income level of the of the NFL. You're obviously hanging out with people that have a lot of money because they had a lot of money and valuables stolen from them, uh, and you're using mm-hmm. a high end luxury vehicle as an escape vehicle. It doesn't scream to me that you're desperate or, or down on your luck. No, yeah, I'm not looking out my window and seeing a high-end Mercedes and a Ferrari sitting in my driveway. Um, <laughs> right. I see a minivan and a, you know, a Camry. But uh, yeah, I, you know, it's just it's, it's, some of these guys that come into the league are from a different type of culture. You know, we've seen it, like you said. Here we go again. I mean, we, we've seen it numerous times. You know, you go back, probably the most ultimate uh, one was Michael Vick. I mean, it, nobody saw that dogfighting incident in his, you know, with, with what he was doing there. And people liked him. Arthur Blank, the Falcons owner, loved Michael Vick, swore by him. And then this comes out. So, you know, there's a lot of skeletons in some of these guys' closets. And some of them are able to keep them in there uh, and others cannot. And when you look at DeAndre Baker, I mean, he was a former number one draft pick. I mean, it was the end of the first round. 
uh, when he came into the league. The Giants traded back into the first round a couple years ago to take him, um, giving up quite a bit to get him. Uh, and there were some red flags at that time. And uh, when you look at what he did, I think it was a $70,000 uh, debt or something, or someone owed him 70000 or turned up missing. Uh, and he had his suspects, and that's, you know, he, he started to shake them down. But, you know, when you look at what he's giving up potentially, he's giving up millions as a first-round draft pick um, for $70,000. Uh, you know, the trade-off is just not, uh, not smart, obviously. But, again, we see it time and time again, and uh, it's, a, it's an unfortunate situation. And then you look at, the, you know, the teams that are impacted. You know, the Giants, I mean, Baker was a key part of that secondary for the Giants. And, you know, they worked hard to improve that this offseason to give him some help. And, and now they're probably going to have a hole there. I know the lawyers are saying they're innocent, but, uh, you know, Roger Goodell is his own judge, jury, and executioner, so he'll have a say in this no matter what the court finds. And uh, Quentin Dunbar was a free agent signing of the Seattle Seahawks, I believe. He played with uh, yeah, the Cowboys Seattle, last year, Dunbar. So, you know, you look at the trickle down and the, and how this impacts the teams and not only on the field, but the embarrassment it causes to the organization too. So uh, it's not the first time. It won't be the last time. Well, and that's unfortunate. Well, it, it looks to me like, I, 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 I don't know. It just looks to me like there could be, you know, I don't buy the, I don't, I don't buy the, the concept of, Oh, well, uh, I came from a bad neighborhood. I come, I grew up with gangs and well, okay, well, here's, here's the, the tough decisions. You want to get out of that life. That's what you keep hearing the re- repetitiveness them say, we, we play football to get out of that life. And there's a lot of good, good cases that show that football was a good avenue for them to get out of that life. But once you get out of that life, you can't keep that life with you. You can't bring that life with you. You can't bring your uh, group of people that, are, are bad influences and, 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 and cause uh, things to happen in your life and, and then use, well, I came from a bad life. I came from a bad society as an excuse to, to go out there and do what, do whatever you want. If you have the, un, uh, the, the rare opportunity to be a, an elite NFL player, or just, just to get in the NFL, you have to be the top of the top of the best, even if you don't ever start. And you're still making a relatively good salary at the at, at the NFL bare minimum. Even if you just get onto the practice squads, uh, the point is you, you you're still part of the most elite football players out there. And if you if you come from a bad part of life and, and, and life didn't treat you the best cards, well, it gave you a really fresh start card. And it looks to me like that they, they would value that. It's just. In opinion, I'll get off my rant here. Yeah. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, but but people don't, and you know maybe it's you know we talk about the bad neighborhood and this and that, and uh, that's why I like to see some of these stories where you know these players buy their mother or their grandmother a house or a car. We just saw it with uh, Tua Tagovailoa, the quarterback for the uh, Dolphins now from Alabama, who bought his mother a, uh, an Escalade or something, and. Uh, you know, there's somebody in their life when they were younger that really kind of shielded them and, and helped them and gave them guidance. And then they come back and they repay them uh, when this happens. I mean, I love those kinds of stories, but this is the other side of that where guys just don't know what they have in front of them. You know, they're kind of just living in the present. They don't see the big picture like a baker who, you know, if he could, and he was a, he was a good player. I mean, he came on very, very strongly last year as a rookie and 
Um, started slowly, but, you know, his work ethic was questioned, but he seemed to kind of be coming around. And, you know, he had a bright future and, and then just throw it away because of something that, you know, right now I need to have my $70,000 back right now. It's just foolishness. And um, unfortunately, that, that just uh, never goes away. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's just talk a little bit. Uh, let's pretend that we, we're going to have a, a season. Right now, it looks like we are, so let's just kind of uh, go around the, the league here, and we'll look at some of these divisions and just kind of tell me uh, where your thoughts are. We'll start with the uh, NFC West. Obviously, I think a lot of people like the, the 49ers to be uh, the, the, the leader of the pack of that group. We've got the Seahawks and the Rams, and of course, the Cardinals are in that mix. NFC West, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think it's the strongest division in football, to be honest. Um, you know, the, I like what the Cardinals have done. You know, they added a, uh, that Simmons, Isaiah Simmons, so they're going to play a linebacker uh, with their first pick in the draft this past year. And, um, you know, they got DeAndre Hopkins, the receiver now that they compare with Kyler Murray, who was the rookie of the year. Um, I believe they got some help on the offensive line. So I, I like what the Cardinals are doing. It's the second year, excuse me, the second year of Cliff Kingsbury. Um, so you hope that his system is now ingrained, which will help because, uh, again, there's no off-season uh, on-field work. So I like the Cardinals. I, I think they could be a factor uh, in, in who wins that. I don't think the Cardinals are ready for that, but I don't. I could see them playing some spoiler uh, with some with some of those teams. But you mentioned the 49ers. Yeah, you got to put them uh, at the top of the heap. But then you also have to look at the Super Bowl hangover. You know, you, a lot of teams that lose in the Super Bowl the year before have a hard time uh, getting back to that point unless you're the Patriots. But um, – it, well, you guys know that thing to do. Well, the Eagles know that mm-hmm. hangover oh too well. That's for sure. The NFC North, you've well, got the Packers. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, yeah, yeah, you're you're right. I mean, look at the Rams last year. They went to the Super Bowl two years ago. They couldn't do anything last year. Uh, and then the Falcons, after they blew that big lead in the Super Bowl, they mm-hmm. haven't even sniffed the playoffs. So uh, oh. we'll see how that impacts the Niners. So we look at the NFC North. We've got the Green Bay Packers. Obviously, Jordan Love is uh, the heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, according to all the the camera camera and 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 uh, photo moments, uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers is saying all the right things, and that he's excited to have Jordan Love as a teammate and looking forward to mentoring him. And we we can liken that a lot to a a uh, rookie veteran uh, thing with Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre where Aaron Rodgers was brought in as the heir apparent to Brett Favre and that's turned out okay and and you know maybe uh, you can look at the Green Bay Packers not taking very good care of, of Aaron Rodgers and getting him help and, and, and really kind of help making him struggle and uh, and bring in Jordan Love, and so we look at that. You got the Vikings and the Bears. Uh, obviously, uh, you've got you've got uh, um, Nick Foles and, and Mitchell Trubisky there uh, doing the quarterback battle. We'll see what happens. And of course, you got the Detroit Lions in the NFC North. So some good storylines uh, out there in the NFC North. Yeah, it's another you know wide open division in my opinion. Um, uh, you know, you, the Vikings looked like a much improved team, but, you know, the Packers to me, I don't know. I mean, Rodgers, he did say all the right things, but he met the media yesterday and he said he was very cryptic at the end when he said that, you know, that he was hoping to start his career with one team and stay there, but it doesn't look like that's going to be a, re- a reality at this point. So, you know, I don't think Rodgers is on board with this move with Jordan Love at all. Yeah, uh, they didn't really get him a whole lot of help. Yeah, at the receiver position. So the Packers, to me, could be a team that's going to fall down into – you know, third or fourth in that division. And I think the Vikings will, will probably prevail in the end, but you can't discount 
the Bears, who knows who the quarterback is going to be. Um, Nick Foles has never played well anywhere but Philly, so I don't know if he's the answer. And then the Lions, you know, maybe they're, uh, you know, maybe they're poised for a rise. Matthew Stafford was having a great year last year until he got hurt, so uh, you can't discount them. And you know, Matt Patricia's I think third year now, so um, they need to start to make some noise this year. Well, we got you guys down in the NFC East. A lot of people like you to be the favorite uh, to come out of that when I see you. I mean, the Eagles, and then of course you got the Cowboys and the Giants all in the mix there. Yeah, the NFC East. Uh, I, I think the Giants or the Eagles and the Cowboys will battle it out. I think, you know, I think the Cowboys might probably. The NFC East hasn't had a repeat winner in 16 years since 0304 when the Eagles did it. So, you know, that that championship's been volleyed back and forth for a long time. The Eagles won it last year. So will they break that uh, streak this year? I don't know. The Cowboys look awfully solid to me. But, again, they're counting a lot on that rookie class, and we'll see how that rookie class does uh, coming in without that on-field work. So I think the Giants will – or I should say I think the Redskins will be ahead of the Giants. Uh, You know, Ron Rivera to me is a proven coach. Joe Judge in New York is a a newcomer, albeit he's from Bill Belichick's tree. But, um, yeah, I suspect he'll have some uh, troubles, especially implementing a system virtually. But I think Ron Rivera is a good head coach. I I love the defense in Washington. They've spent a lot of money – on that defensive line, like the San Francisco 49ers have the question in Washington is, you know, is Dwayne Haskins going to be able to uh, take his game up a level from last year as a rookie, he finished the season pretty strong, but uh, can he continue it and live up to being the first round pick from last year? Or do they turn it over to Kyle Allen who Ron Rivera had years in Carolina and the offensive coordinator in Washington, Scott Turner was the quarterback's coach with Rivera in Carolina. So he's very familiar with Kyle Allen. So, to me, the Redskins' defense will be very good, but and if they can find some good quarterback play, they could be kind of like the Arizona Cardinals in the West. They could be a factor uh, in determining who wins the NFC East. Well, let's talk about the NFC South. You've got the, the Saints, uh, the Falcons, and the, the 2020 Super Bowl champion that we don't even <laughs> need to have a season, and that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Carolina Panthers. Yeah. Yeah, right. Well, if we don't have a season, we'll just call the Bucks the champions anyway. All right, um, there we go. But yeah, but yeah, I, yeah that's going to be fun. You know, Breeze and Brady are going to meet two times this year, and um, you know, I like that a lot. I like the new head coach in Carolina, Matt Rule, who I think did a good job addressing the defense in the off season. So you know, that's going to be a fun division to watch too. And then I'm not sure where the Falcons fit into that mix. They, you know, obviously Julio Jones and Matt Ryan are a proven connection, but uh, I don't see them finishing anything above last at this point, but you know, who knows? I mean, they could surprise, but I think this is going to come down to Tampa and New Orleans. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Don't really have time to get into the AFC, uh, but one one story out out of the hometown uh, card here, if you will, uh, the Colts T.Y. Hilton announced this week after his next contract, uh, he will be retiring, and he's only played with the Colts. He wants to finish with the Colts. However, uh, this is his year. This is they they always say the contract year. This is the year that he has to make it happen. Will he retire a cold? I think a lot of us would like to see that, but that's a decision yet to be made. But I think a lot of that decision to be made is on T.Y. Hilton in the year that he has this year. And, you know, he's got Phillip Rivers uh, there that that is a seasoned quarterback. There, in, in my mind, uh, we've just had so many issues with, with uh, T.Y. Hilton and injuries and him not being at 100%. When he's at 100%, he is golden when he's not. Well, he's just, it just doesn't happen. So T Y Helton uh, had said that he's going to retire after his next contract. 
Will his next contract be with the Colts? Uh, good question. You're right. Injuries eventually, you know, you want to be available, but you know, he's, a, he's kind of on the little side, right? He's like five, nine, five, 10, 180 yeah. some pounds. I mean, yeah. so their, their ability like Deshaun Jackson has proven to be an issue, but he's been kind of durable. I mean, the, the last two years he hasn't played the full season, but the, I think the three or four years prior to that, uh, he, he did play all 16. So, um, it, you're right. If he can stay healthy and he can prove it on the field, then will the Colts bite and, you know, give him a, you know, a three or four year contract deal. I mean, he's already 30 years old. So I would say that, yeah, he, he won't be a Colt after this season, no matter what he does. Yeah. And, and even on the high end with, with uh, uh, players that are up in age and in, in that, that category are still only looking at like about $16 million a year. So even if the Colts said, Hey, we're, we're going to go with you. I don't know that they're going to be able to get him on the high end, and he might think that's where he, he needs to be at if that's where he's going to end his career. So uh, we'll see. But uh, time will tell. Yeah, and, we'll wrap and, it up. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think, Tom, the development of Michael Pittman plays into that too. If Pittman can come Absolutely. out and have a solid rookie year, that gives you confidence. And then the running game, Jonathan Taylor should bolster that. I mean, I think the Colts are a running offense. And, you know, you don't need a high-end $16 million receiver to make it go when you have a rookie in Michael Pittman who you – you hope can develop and then, you know, maybe you draft somebody next year or you find a free agent that's on the cheaper side and you go from there. I'll tell you what, a lot of Colts fans are really enjoying this addition of Michael Pittman and, and he's, uh, he's, uh, he's done all the right things for the press so far. And he's made a lot of uh, local press uh, availabilities and been on uh, radio interviews and stuff. And he's, he's, you know, certainly, uh, it seems like a guy that the fans are going to like a lot here, and, and I'm excited to, to see him unfold. And it's, it's unfortunate you, you see these good players come out, but then we have the situation that we're dealing with. So we're not. Are, are we really going to be able to see their full potential come uh, blossom in, in, in their rookie year? Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, SI.com, our official NFL contributor. Thank you, sir, for joining us. Have you started the Michael Jordan documentary? Uh, I watched the first two episodes, but. Uh, you know, I kind of lived through it. I kind of remember it. I'm, and I'm hearing right. there's not a whole lot of new ground that was broken. But I might check out the next one, the third one, because I hear it's about Dennis Rodman, who I found fascinating uh, back in those days. Yeah. So uh, I might watch the third one for Rodman. But, you know, I'm not really uh, that into it like so many people are. Well, the same way I haven't started it. I did live through the Michael Jordan era. Yeah. Uh, so, I, you know, I haven't started, but I, I wanted to kind of make it a binge thing. So I think I'm going to get it started today or tomorrow. And, and uh, I don't go back to work until mid uh, back to the office till mid June. Uh, we're still working, working from home, but uh, back to the office, I should say till mid June. So I got some time to, to watch it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was good. It's a nice day here. It's supposed to be a nice weekend weather wise. So I might try to get out a little bit and, there you go. Uh, I don't know what I'll do, but <laughs> just get yeah, out and get, get some, out, get out back or some fresh air. Yeah. Uh, get, so we'll see. But yeah, air. we'll enjoy it. If you do, you'll have to let me know what you think of it. Yes, sir. All right. Ed, you have yourself a, a good weekend and we'll talk with you soon. Thanks Tom. Yes, sir. Right. Be well. You too. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, SI.com, uh, our official NFL contributor. That's going to wrap it up. Put a bowl on it, people. Uh, thank you, Mo, for the BS Sports Show, joining us and, and just talking uh, just about sports reopening. We're going to get there. And then Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor from WSBT, joined us talking about Darlington uh, tomorrow. 
Without fans, a little bit different, but we're going to get it open. And so certainly all eyes are going to be on NASCAR as, as the rest of the sports world opens up. And Ed Kratz, beat writer from Philadelphia Eagle, joined us as well. I appreciate you as well. Make sure you're following us on Twitter and, and following us on the podcast uh, as well. Um, we do this thing called The Balance every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. And, of course, everything is in the podcast format. Uh, remember, don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. I'm out of here. Deuces. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.